Welcome back to the End Times Countdown. I am your host, Pastor Matt, and I'm so glad that you've joined me again today for this podcast. I know it's been a, a while since we've been on here. We had a little break there for a, for a, a long spell, <laughs> but we're getting things together so that we can do this podcast on a whole nother level for all of you out there. We're adding other podcasts to our repertoire. We're fixing to do an amazing roundtable that we're going to deal with really unpopular opinions. <laughs> it, should, it should be amazing. <laughs> but let's get over into this, the end times countdown. Let's get over into this, back into Second Thessalonians. I want to keep going in this vein and finish up the second half of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 because we're talking about the catching away of the church of and it's you know what honestly it's real tough to say the church because we have such a very vague general idea of what the church is how about we just talk about that for a minute when we say the church that could mean anything <laughs> if we're speaking about biblically, scripturally, the church, the bride of Christ, in the end times, it's actually referred to as the remnant church. What does that mean? That means that apparently there's going to be a huge, enormous conglomerate of something that is a fake church, that's not a real church, and that this remnant church is, if you will, a fragment or just a tiny piece of that whole that's the real deal. Wow, you've probably never heard that before like that, have you? Think about a quilt, a patchwork quilt. Um, I used to watch uh, ladies, I almost said old ladies. Y'all, don't don't get mad at me if you... Anyway, <laughs> I used to watch some ladies get together. They weren't old. I'm just kidding. Um, they would get together and they would work on a, on a quilt together. And they would quilt, and they would sew, and they would do all this stuff. And, of course, they're talking and having a good time while they were doing it. Um, but there were always scraps left over. So I would cut out a, let's just say, a 4x4 four four square of fabric. And I could only get so many 4x4 four four, uh, squares of fabric out of a piece of material. And what the, you know, the half-inch little strip or the little bitty chunk or whatever, that was called a remnant piece. And a lot of quilt makers will actually sell remnant pieces, uh, you know, for for other things, other projects, other things that you can do with, with scrap pieces of fabric. It's very interesting to think about that whole idea, that whole picture. Uh, let me squeak this in first. You'll also think about carpet. And you'll see uh, carpet places, your hardware stores, and they'll have remnant pieces of carpet. What that means is, We've taken out whatever we need, and this is the leftover. My goodness. Can I use that as a picture of the remnant church? There is a, there is a church, there is a people group who are going to be the leftovers. My goodness. They're going to be the ones that maybe didn't quite fit in with the pattern. I'm speaking to you prophetically today. This is coming right out of the Spirit. My goodness. There is going to be a group of people that are going to be what's called the leftovers because they didn't fit in with the pattern that whomever was putting this together, come on, that society is putting together that that 
another spiritual influence is putting together and it doesn't quite match the picture and it doesn't quite fit in and it doesn't quite seem to go with and maybe it's just too much for what we're doing. We take what we consider the best of something, cut off the edges or the scraps, and we throw that to the wayside. We throw that over here. And we have what's left over, what we think is the best part. But I think it's interesting in this instant that the Lord says, no, the scraps, the leftovers, the part that didn't fit in with society, the parts that didn't uh, compromise with the greater picture, they're the most valuable, and they're the ones that I'm coming back for. My, my, my. So we're looking at an idea of the catching away of the church, but it's hard to say just church because that gives the generic general idea that (laughs) we're talking about everything and every building and every person that's ever stepped into a, a church building with a steeple on it or a sign. And that's not the case. So maybe we'll look at a podcast later here and we'll look at that. Who's going to go and who's going to stay? Who's going to go and who's going to stay? The scripture is very clear about it. So what we're talking about is the catching away of this remnant people. They're not interested in religion. They're not interested in what's popular. They're not interested in what's relevant. They're not interested in things that, that, uh, that's entertainment and performance-based. These are going to be people that are hungry for what is more. We, we say what's more, but what we mean is what's genuine, what's real, where the presence of this God is. Where is he? I want to know him. I want to feel him. I want to sense him. I want to know him, and I want to know what he's got to say. Hmm. This is a remnant people. So what we're talking about when we say the catching away of the church isn't the church at large as we think. It is a remnant fabric, a fragment piece out of something that is. And that's who he's coming back for. I say coming back for. It's probably another erroneous statement. That's who is going to be caught away in this Harpazo event. The catching away of the saints. All right, well, let's keep going into 2 Thessalonians then, chapter 2. And we stopped off when we said this. Don't you remember, you can hear the frustration in Paul's voice. Don't you remember that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is withholding that he might be revealed in his time. I love, love, love this. Because what that means is, is Satan, no matter how big he makes himself in Hollywood, no matter how big he thinks he is with his little witches and, and, and warlocks and whatever all they call themselves out there in the world right now, he cannot do what he wants to do when he wants to do it how he wants to do it. There is a certain leeway because the Bible calls him the God, the little G of this world system. But I got news for you and for him. He's not the God of this planet. If you want to get right down to it, you and Jesus jointly are the gods of this world. Uh-oh. Oh, I heard I heard some people kind of scream right there. No, that's what he said. Don't you remember that's what he said? 
He said that you will be joint heirs with Christ and that you will rule and reign together. And you'll remember in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27, 28, where he said, this little planet right here, this is your own personal kingdom. It is an outreach of my kingdom. I want you to rule it and reign it, dominate it, subdue it, govern it, and make it look just like my kingdom. <laughs> he didn't say you're the almighty and you're the king of your own self and your own stuff. He said, oh, no, I'm your father. I am your king. And I am giving you something to rule over. Yeah, that's right. Don't don't back up and get weird on me. That's what he said. Satan is the one that says, no way, blasphemy. No, no. Of course, he's going to say that because right now he wants to rule over what's your property. He can't do whatever he wants to do. No matter what he does and thinks through people's minds and uses their talents and puts on uh, Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and, and, and Twitter and what he presents before you on Hollywood on the big screen and what he's pushing and pressing into you. No, he can't do whatever he wants to do. It doesn't even matter what he's telling you in your little mind and your thoughts at night. He cannot do what he wants to do without your permission. Uh, you do real well to remember that. So there's something, somebody, an entity that is preventing him from doing what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. And Paul said, the mystery of iniquity, lawlessness, is already at work. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? So we're looking right now at America lawlessness is the spirit in control. When you have men parading around as women, you have women parading around as men. You've got men marrying men, women marrying women. You have men wearing, marrying two women. I almost said wearing. <laughs> it's about right. When you have a man marrying two women, three women, when you have couples that are sleeping with each other in the same house and calling themselves family, when you have... Uh, all of this insanity and rebellion against what God created and set forth, you've got lawlessness. And the devil's playground is lawlessness. It's rebellion. It's where he flourishes. Why are we seeing this all of a sudden insurgence of of, of shootings and killings and murderings of little children and of the police and just elderly and just everywhere we look, chaos has absolutely just shown up out of nowhere and taking, uh, taking everything everywhere and doing what it seemingly whatever wants to do, causing fear in everybody and everything. Why? Because lawlessness is abounding. And our governmental system is promoting lawlessness. <laughs> it's, so it's not like just giving Satan place to do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> it's giving him a key to the, to the country and saying, here, screw up the rest of the country too. Kill, steal, and destroy from America and Americans. Take our food. Take our safety. Hmm. It's why we are where we are. The spirit of lawlessness is the dominant spirit in America. 
So he said, this spirit's already at work. And boy, if, if, if a generation doesn't know it better than we do, <laughs> I don't know of one. But watch what he says. Only he who now is preventing will prevent yet more until he, an entity, a body, is taken out of the way, removed, taken out of the way. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who is preventing his manifestation will prevent him still yet until that entity is taken out of the way. I present to you what Paul is saying here is this remnant body, this remnant people is the only thing preventing, stopping, disallowing Satan and the Antichrist spirit from being able to do what he wants to do and completely overthrowing the planet. If that doesn't Put lead in your pencil. I don't I don't know what to tell you. Because what I'm saying is, is if you are a part of the remnant church, you all by yourself, if it was just you and this planet, you would be preventing all the chaos of hell and hell's God from doing whatever he wants to do on this planet. How how powerful is he? Cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> How powerful is he if one born again, spirit filled person on the planet can prevent everything he's got from manifesting? You know, what I think is amazing is his whole strategy and plan depends on you. Let that sink in for a minute. So there is an entity in the earth that is preventing this this son of perdition, this Antichrist, from coming and manifesting and fully revealing himself and, verse 2, from the day of Christ from coming to pass. Can I say this to you? The whole end times plan, strategy, the eternity, the eternal plans that have been set up from before the foundations of the planet depend on you. They hinge on you. Now, you may want to stop this podcast. You may want to download this thing and go back and listen to every bit of that again, because that probably is making your little brain tilt. And maybe you've not heard this before, but it is the absolute truth of the matter. It all hinges about you on you. What are you doing and the position that you're keeping? Now, is God going to be prevented because of us? I'm going to say it this way, no, because he will see his strategy come to pass during the timetable he set up. So you might ask, well, how then can you say that? Well, here's the deal. You can either be on the bench or you can be on the court. The decision's up to you where you're positioned. If you won't do it, he'll find somebody else that will. And it still is going to come to pass. But timetables are fluctuating. They're, um, they're flexible. God is a God of no time and no expanse. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't work within the confines of time, of hours and minutes and seconds and months and years. Therefore, he'll say, it, will, it shall come to pass quickly. Well, what does quickly mean? <laughs> it could mean a day. It could mean a week. It could mean six months. It could mean a hundred years. That could still be quickly to him. So 
time is fluid. That's why I say these things depend on us and how quickly we are fulfilling the assignment of being this remnant church and how quickly we're getting the message of his kingdom to every living creature on the planet. There's going to be an entity that's going to prevent this antichrist personality persona from manifesting and it's going to prevent the day of Christ from coming to pass until that entity is taken out of the way. Verse 8, and then, and then shall that wicked one be revealed. (laughs) My goodness, he can't show up until you remnant church are out of the way. You're actually prevent your prayers, your spirit, who you are positionally with Yehovah and with Christ. You are preventing him from doing anything else he wants to do. It's why he hates you. That's why he's creating events to try to take you out and kill you and murder you. Because he knows I can't do anything as long as you're here. It's why he's dumping millions into churches all over the world to preach erroneous, stupid messages so that he can deceive you and take you out. Because he knows I can't show up until you're gone. But when you're gone, he's through. Here we go. Then that wicked one will be revealed, whom the Lord himself will consume, destroy with the spirit of his mouth. And will destroy with the brightness of his coming. Him whose coming is after the work of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. That means they're not legit. They're not real. They're probably man-made and man-conceived. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. We're going to get into this next time with the next podcast, and we're going to talk about who's going to go and who's going to stay. There's a lot of uh, argument and a lot of conjecture about who's going and who's going to stay. We believe, (laughs) I don't know why, but we believe that most of those who are filling the church buildings today are just automatically going to be taken away. They're automatically going to be taken in a capturing away, a rapturing event. And the thing is, that's an absolute erroneous teaching because we'll discover in Luke 21, Jesus himself said that you've got to be qualified to escape all of these things. You've got to qualify to escape these things. Wow. You're not going to hear this in any church today. In fact, you're not going to hear any bit of this in a church today. You're not going to hear about sin. You're not going to hear about a rapture. You're not going to hear about correct grace. You're not going to hear about his kingdom. And that, my friends, is dangerous because it's not getting you as a believer in position with understanding to know who you are and to get in the right place at the right time to qualify for this great escape. I like to call it the the great escape clause. (laughs) I want you to notice at the end of 2 Thessalonians here, so I think I don't have to go back and try to explain who this is that's preventing him 
this Antichrist spirit from taking over. I don't think I have to do that. I think we should be able to understand by now that it's this remnant church that is actually standing in the way of the Satan from doing what he wants to do. I want to bring your attention to the very end and and the next focus of what Paul is saying here in 2 Thessalonians. After he's talking about the day of Christ, the second advent, and the catching away of the saints, his focus now turns to those who will not receive the love of the truth. They don't really want to know the truth. They want to believe what they want to believe. People today want to live a perverse lifestyle, but still go to church and lift their hands and be accepted by God. It, it, it can't. You can't. It doesn't work that way. I know this grace message out there says it does, but it does not. It doesn't work that way. You cannot have one foot in hell and one foot in heaven. You, you can't be sleeping with the devil and worshiping Jesus. You see what I mean? So look at Paul's focus here. He said this, with all deceivableness and unrighteousness. I, I mean, I can't even fathom what that means because that means a lot. There's going to be deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Which tells me there may be a whole lot of people sitting in church buildings every Sunday morning that may not be saved. They may not be positioned or qualified to escape all these things that are coming. They may not even be born again. They may be there just for some fire insurance to keep them out of this or that, to keep them out of hell, to keep them out of trouble. Um, but I also know people that go to churches for social benefit, right? You guys know this. I don't need to say this, I don't guess. But there's people who do this because it's socially acceptable and it'll help them climb their, their ladder at their career. It just looks good to go to, to church. <laughs> we have a whole group of politicians that show up to church every now and again just to keep their political position influential and liked by, by like everybody, by the general population. Look what he says in verse 12, that they all might be damned or condemned who don't believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They had pleasure in lawlessness. So I'm going to, I'm going to unhook this podcast right here because we need to, listen, if we're going to talk about the catching away of the saints of the church, I want to give you a whole picture of what we're talking about. So I want to make sure that, that you guys out there, that you have the foundations to understand the rapture, the catching away of the saints, the evidence that it's there. Oh, it's there. And that this is a very real event, but that there are two separate events that we get kind of cross crosswise with and that you as the remnant body are the ones withholding Satan from doing what he wants to do but that there also is a qualifying for this event. And we're going to discover as we go on with this next podcast, I hope you guys come back. You, you've got to come back for these. You can't just listen to one and just say, wow, that was fun, and say, I got it. This is what we've been doing, and this is why we don't understand nothing. Because we show up and we get 
30 minutes with our pastor. He mentions the rapture of the church just a little bit, and then everybody goes home, and we don't hear it again for another couple years. And we think we got it, but we don't got it. And by spirit or word or message, (laughs) we can be shaken and troubled and not even know what we believe. I'm praying that after this series of podcasts are done, when somebody asks you about the catching away of the church, you're going to have everything in your arsenal to tell them exactly what this catching away of the saints is and what it's about. So I'm looking forward. Come back to this next podcast, the next few episodes. Hey, listen, come back to all of them, but <laughs> but come back to the next to the next couple of podcasts here, and we're going to finish this up this uh, series that we're, we're we're rolling through here about this catching away, this rapture of the church, and we're going to talk about who's going and who's staying. I hope to see you, hear you, uh, sense you <laughs> next time. As we always say, be awake, be aware, and be ready, folks. Be ready because Jesus is coming, and I'm telling you, it's coming quickly. We'll see you next time.